Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's coming up tomorrow, but we are celebrating it today because tomorrow we got a football game. I'll be live at the M Resort Spa and Casino tomorrow for the Raiders pregame show and the postgame show. We'll do that as we mix in some family time, and hopefully you and your family have a great time. If you're traveling, if you're listening, streaming, our streaming numbers are incredible here because of you, the Raider Nation, listening outside of Las Vegas and inside Las Vegas. So we thank you very much for all of our partners who are happy because we got a lot more people listening than we could have imagined But the season is on a brink. The season is on the brink right now. And I'm choosing to be positive about it. There's been so much negativity. Every article in the paper, every column is so negative. There are negative fans. There are negative hosts. I've been really hard this week on the team. And it's Thanksgiving, and there's nothing we can do. We can't play for them. We can just hope they win. So let's enjoy Thanksgiving. I got a packed show. So if you want to get through, get through now, 702-365-9200. Russell Baxter, one of the premier NFL contributors, uh, a research legend from ESPN, is going to join us here in two or three minutes. It's the only time he could get in. I want to talk about some stats, some numbers, and how the season is breaking down with the entire league, and we'll get into the Raiders. Clarence Hill from the Dallas Morning News is probably the number one Cowboy insider that anybody can get, I got him. He's going to join us at the top of next hour. Clarence is covering and breaking the story on how pissed off Jerry Jones is at Amari Cooper, who was not vaccinated and is going to miss this game. And Jerry Jones and Michael Irvin, they are going nuts on this topic. It looks like CeeDee Lamb is going to try to clear concussion protocol with a wink and a nod. That sounds weird. He had a pretty big concussion, and it's a short week. But they seem like they're going to try to get him going. And Zeke Elliott's a little bit banged up. So Amari Cooper, who I know the story about Amari Cooper in Oakland, probably better than anybody because I was there for that, up close, and his lackadaisical attitude, he was a hell of a player. He still is a hell of a player. Every three or four games, he dominates. They're sick of him in Dallas right now because he's unavailable because he didn't get vaccinated. And Aaron Rodgers, unavailable because he wasn't vaccinated. Joe Flacco, hey, we know the story by now. It's been two years with a pandemic. It's kind of the time to get vaccinated to help your team out. And Jerry Jones is freaking out about that. Uh, John Sassenti on the bowl system and how it affects Vegas. We'll have him, I believe, at 145. I might get a movie review in with Jackson Murphy, my young movie critic, because I want to watch some movies over the holidays here. Mike North is scheduled to join us, and our A-list guest played for the Cowboys and the Raiders, Darren McFadden, at the bottom of the hour. Love Darren. Great player. One of the great college players of all time. I mean, he was a brilliant college player there. So we got a busy show. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks again to everybody who gave me birthday wishes. Charles Woodson last night uh, saw me and tweeted out a picture of him drinking his whiskey and a cigar. And I was drinking whiskey and a cigar. And my wife worked behind my back through Charles Woodson to get me a bunch of Woodson bourbon whiskey so i had a a nice two to four fingers last night of that which was a lot of fun little birthday cake and i just picked up my son from the airport first time ever 
I picked up my freshman son from Arizona State University at McCarran Airport. About an hour ago, got him home safely, and he's home for Thanksgiving. My oldest son is currently driving from Norman, Oklahoma to Dallas to go to the Raiders at the Cowboys. So one son's home, the other son's going to Dallas to see the Raiders. And I get to kick off the show with a great content provider. Russell Baxter is kind enough to join us, the football guru. Russell, first off, happy Thanksgiving in advance. Thanks to everything you do for all of your viewers and all of the people that look for you for information and coming on our shows all the time. Well, thank you very much. It's been a while since we've spoken, but uh, hard to believe it's week 12. Where that What happened? What were the blur that is the NFL season every year and so on? And, uh, you know, we've got the traditional Lions game and a pair of intriguing interconference games. Yes. Um, you know, with a slumping Raiders team. And actually, you know, Dallas coming off of two losses in three games and the Bills off a perplexing performance against the Colts. And uh, the thing, you know, you, you think about what you have here, especially with Buffalo and New Orleans, JT, um, two division champions from a year ago that have already lost more games than they did all last season. Yeah, and Russell, I want to start with the Bills because I can't believe the situation they're in. I thought they'd win that division by four games, maybe even five, because I didn't think that Mac Jones would be able to put five games in a row together and be perfect on the road. When you look at the Bills, they're reasonably healthy. They got a number of players not vaccinated. That hasn't hit them yet to the knees. But I look at their offense. Sean McDermott seems to be confused with the defense. They can't get off the field at times on third down, which was their strength. And Josh Allen is struggling. Why is he struggling to just be a dominant player this year and rewrite the record books? Well, I think there's an extended pressure on him, given what he did last season. Uh, got a few MVP, MVP votes, uh, had a big year rushing, uh, throwing the football, high completion percentage, and, and maybe a case of just trying to do too much. Um, you know, I think their offensive line has been spotty. Uh, their running game has been a little inconsistent. Um, and, you know, you, you know this as well as I do. When you start depending on one player to be the beat-all, end-all in any sport, especially football, I will say, it just doesn't work out that way. Um, you know, quarterback can't carry the team and shouldn't carry the team. You need balance. And you remember the season for them got off to an odd start. They lost at home to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, poor special teams had a punt block for a touchdown. Um, they just outplayed the Steelers and somehow found a way uh, to lose the game. And, uh, you know, these last couple weeks, perplexing. Now, listen, they lost to Tennessee. They made a gamble on the, you know, final play of the game, basically, mm-hmm. to go for it on fourth down. It didn't work out for them. But their defense got a little exposed as far as the running game with Derrick Henry. But Jacksonville, where you don't score a touchdown against one of the poor defensive teams in the league. And then this week, Jonathan Taylor looked like, well, he looked like Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, he's great. Right now, probably the healthiest, best running back in the league. And they really gashed them in a big way. And, you know, these rock and roll inconsistent performances by them, they turned over the ball four times. Um, And uh, this was a team that, did a good job of taking away the football and didn't do it last week against the Colts. So all of a sudden, you know, penciled in, uh, oops, you better get out that magic eraser because the New England Patriots now lead the AFC East. 
Russell Baxter, the football guru, NFL writer, historian for Fansided. So there's really three teams I want to talk about that are ascending at this time. And I expected them all to do it, actually. Indianapolis, their slow start. Look at them now. The 49ers had an amazing win against the Rams. And now they're hot, and they look like they're going to the playoffs. And Minnesota is competing with the Niners for that playoff spot along with New Orleans. Let's first start with the 49ers and what they were able to do to win that game against the Rams. They got an easier win against the Jags, and now they're on a roll. Well, when they're playing their style of physical football, um, they're about as good as anyone in the league, and I mean that sincerely. But it's been inconsistent. I I still think they're adjusting to a new defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they, they got swept by the Cardinals this year. Um, yeah, they struggled. At, they, struggled they finally won a home game um, for the first time all year. And, I, you know, that, by the way, that home winning streak, I, there were three of those games were in Arizona. They count. I understand they count and stuff like that. But bottom line is they haven't played that well at home. And, and, and we've seen that with other teams. They seem to thrive on the road. I don't know whether it's focus or whatever it is. Uh, keeping Jimmy Garoppolo healthy has always been a little bit of a problem. Um, but they're in a division right now that even though they're, you know, trailing, they're 5-5, five and five, and Arizona swept them, and Arizona's sitting with a 9-2 record, we have seen, you know, Tennessee go in, and undermanned Tennessee go into Los Angeles and beat the Rams. And we saw Carolina absolutely whack the Cardinals a couple of weeks ago. And don't say it's Colt McCoy, because Colt McCoy has been fine. Uh, he was again last week and so on. So, slow start. Seattle seems to be headed in a completely opposite direction, yet earlier this year they beat the 49ers. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully for the Niners, they haven't done too much damage. The AFC and the NFC are so wild yeah. in terms of playoffs. Last year, you couldn't 10 wins didn't get you in the AFC. In the NFC, you had a 7-9 division champion and an 8-8 eight wild card. And the way the records are going right now, I can almost see like deja vu, not necessarily the team's JT, but an instance where it might take you 10 or 11 wins to get in in the AFC and maybe not as much to win a division championship or get a wild card in the NFC. Absolutely. Russell Baxter. Russell, a couple of weeks ago, the Raiders were the sixth seed, and now they've plummeted to 11. Cincinnati's moved up to five. The Chargers are stabilizing. I wanted to get into some Thanksgiving games as I'm based in Vegas here. Jerry Jones is the story. The Raiders have had so much negativity around them since the John Gruden resignation and the Henry Ruggs car accident fatality to Tina Tintor. I look at all of that, and I can see why the Raiders have problems, but Jerry Jones is furious at Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb is going to probably try to play in this game. I thought they had a real concussion protocol in this league, but they seem like they're flying him through it. And Dallas has got a comfortable lead in their division, but they're not playing well. So handicap the Raiders at Dallas on Thanksgiving for me. Well, listen, the Dallas Cowboys have a better defense than they did a year ago. Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced it's necessarily a good defense. They have some playmakers. Michael Parsons has certainly made his presence felt. Trayvon Diggs has made his presence felt. But I watched Denver go into their building and have their way with that. They were up 30 to nothing late in the fourth quarter. Even 30 to 16 sounds ugly, but 30 to nothing. So there's a consistency aspect with Dan Quinn's unit and Mike McCarthy's team and so on. 
And last week, this offensive juggernaut, which, you know, for all accounts they are, couldn't score a touchdown against a somewhat mediocre Kansas City defense. In fact, they couldn't block Chris Jones to save their life. He had mm-hmm. three and a half of the team's five sacks. I, I think he had a forced fumble. They really struggled to stop him. And uh, I'll be curious if they can block the Raiders' pass rush, which is not overpowering, but enough to create problems for Dak Prescott. So then again, you know, but then you look at the Raiders' defense, have their own issues as well. It's been issues for them for year after year after year. They're, they're in this three-game winning streak. They've given up a lot of points. So, um, you know, especially the last two weeks, 32, 41 and 32 at home to the Chiefs, the Bears. So I anticipate a high-scoring game here, but, um, you know, you're, you're the nail on the head. And I'm not sure if Dallas has a comfortable lead, JT, in the NFC East. Because one of the most bizarre teams to figure out in the league this year are the Philadelphia Eagles. I like the Eagles. I like Jalen Hurts. I've always I love that kid. I love his leadership, his attitude, the way he runs. He's a better passer than most people think. I'm just afraid Philadelphia is going to run him out of town. Russell, before before we wrap it up, uh, you have a lot of contacts around the league, especially you know how much respect I have for you for the Hall of Fame. But you know owners, and now this decision on Stan Kroenke, he's a bizarre guy. And look, he moved the team to L.A., and the team's exploded with revenue, SoFi Stadium. He, he lost a year in construction, and the costs went through the roof, and now almost $800 million. Now he loses in this lawsuit here, and I'm hearing rumors that he wants to sue other owners. He doesn't want to pay all this, and he's got billions and billions of dollars, but he's a prideful man. So the NFL settles the lawsuit over relocation for $790 million. What are you hearing is going to come next? Oh, boy. I, you know, I'm really not sure. I mean, I, I guess that's the thing to do is sue the NFL these days. Right. You know, we John Bruden situation. We don't know how that's going to go and so on. I think what will happen next, at least during the football season, JT, is they'll get swept under the rug a little um, and maybe reoccur again uh, maybe Super Bowl week, mm-hmm. especially if the Rams happen to be there. But the game's going to be in L.A., so there's going to be some natural intrigue in there as well, and so on. So the league does a usually a pretty good job of keeping these controversies. They smolder for a couple of days, and then they disappear. And then a couple months later, they resurface. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen here. If there is any going to be any lawsuit, it's going to take some time anyway. But, um, yes, I mean, never a dull moment in this league, yeah. both on the field and especially off the field. Have a great Thanksgiving, Russell. Thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate you. You got it, JT. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Russell Baxter, a really good content provider at Fansided, and follow him at Bax Football Guru. I just want to say this one thing on the eve of Thanksgiving. I was really tight, and I believe still am, even though we're kind of taking a break with John Gruden. Okay, John Gruden did a lot for me in my career and all those coaches and a lot of other people around the league. A lot of players, a lot of coaches, wink, wink, Sean McVay, Mike Tomlin, a lot of coaches came through the Gruden tree. And because of that hit job, because of that hit job and what happened with that hit job on him, I'm not defending the emails. No one would have survived those emails. They have never should have been written. No one defends that. I've made that clear a thousand times in a short period of time. It affected a team in Las Vegas. 
It didn't affect the team in Washington the way it should have. And this isn't over. This is not over in a big way because John Gruden has too much pride. He will atone for what he did, and he is going to look for payback for what happened for this because he's got a family, he's got kids, and he'll figure it out. And he'll atone for these mistakes, and he has, and he's apologized, and he hasn't even hit the media tour yet. He hasn't even hit the media tour yet where he's brilliant at media. He's not good. He became brilliant at media. That was a classic hit job on him. Now, the emails will never be condoned. We could never defend that. Who would? And he'll have to deal with that the rest of his life. But the timing of the 650,000 emails when they were released during a season that affected a football team that was 5-2 and two eventually is despicable. So when Congresswomen call for Congress, uh, call, for, uh, call for the league to sit in front of Congress, and now Gruden's suing the league, and Kroenke's got to pay $790 million, the NFL is up to their ankles in alligators. They want this all to go away. And Russell made a very good point there. At the end, he said, well, you know, maybe they'll table it. Table it to the Super Bowl. Oh, really? Oh, they'll just wait around and tell us at the Super Bowl. Okay, they didn't do that with the Gruden emails. And again, the NFL denies they leaked the emails. That's the key to this whole mystery. Who leaked the emails? I'm talking about it the night before Thanksgiving. Who leaked the emails? We don't know. In a society today that has a Supreme Court, Congress, government at the local level, police departments, cybersecurity, cybersecurity, journalist, journalist, NFL insiders who pop on their suits on Sunday and tell you who's in and who's out. Nobody knows, huh? Nobody knows, as I sit in Vegas, how those emails showed up and then they were just lightly leaked and leaked so hard over that week. And then on Monday, they finally said, you know something? If you don't get Gruden's ass in that building in Vegas, we're going we're gonna to break this on Monday Night Football, where he was the king of Monday Night Football, and we're going to embarrass the Raiders or make the Raiders' life more difficult. And nothing happens to the Snyder family as Daniel Snyder's wife gets to go to the team owners' meetings. All, all ready, all nice. Hey, how you doing? What? Do you understand what's happened this year in this league? I mean, and then, oh, oh, and then the Aaron Rodgers issue. Oh, he was just immunized. And no journalist had the balls to say, oh, no, no, follow-up, please, follow-up. What did you mean by that? Are you vaccinated for COVID-19 under NFL protocol? And that disappeared. He didn't wear a mask in the building for eight weeks. Never wore a mask, and he never got fined. Woo! Never got fined. But he went on radio, 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 wearing Star Wars shirts and, you know, beanie caps on and growing his hair out to get into a costume. All of that went well. That's not a conspiracy either, huh? Give me a break. Give me a break. Got to be kidding me. Someone get to work on all this on 30 for 30 or Netflix. Someone get what I just mentioned and send it to an executive producer at 60 Minutes in New York and get them off their ass and do an investigation like this. I love when sports teams and leagues have to go in front of Congress. I love when they have the pressure on them and they get that subpoena in the mail and they say, you don't have a choice. Come on up to the Rayburn building here on Capitol Hill and sit your ass down and swear under oath and we're going to have cameras on you. Let's see if you lie to us now. Incredible. I don't know why I just went off on that rant, Bobby. 
Thanksgiving. I was supposed to be kinder, quieter, coming off birthday last night. Woodson Whiskey, Costco Cheesecake, JT. I guess I can't do that. 702-365-9200. Call the show. Uh, fly in here and tell me how the Raiders are going to win the game. No one seems to know. No one seems to know. No one has an idea. Are you going to go no huddle? JT the Brick? Am I, should I print out no huddle t-shirts and hand them out at the M? Are we going to play up-tempo? Are we going to move the ball? In the first drive of the game, in the first drive of the game, you know what would make my Thanksgiving perfect? Is on the first drive, Derek Carr throws a nine-yard out to Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro gets tackled, and Carr sprints. He's running up to the line of scrimmage like he's going to clock the ball. He sets everybody, runs another play. Is that too much to ask for? They can't give him two plays in the huddle? We're going to go to Renfro on the out right, catch it or not. If he catches it, go. And then Waller, you go crossing over from right to left, and Deshaun Jackson, you just run a post route, and Derek's going to find either Waller or Deshaun Jackson on a go route. Is that too much to ask for? I mean, let's go. Let's go. If they don't play with a sense of urgency in this game, I don't know what this show's going to sound like on Monday. They can lose. I don't know who's going to win the game. But if they don't play with a sense of urgency on Thanksgiving Day, Middle of the day in between the sandwich game where everyone's turning on and saying, hey, I, mean, I, heard, I heard the Raiders. I know the Raiders and the Cowboys. I wonder how they're going to look. We'll see. We'll see. They must convert on third down to get more plays going so they can run their game plan. They can't run their game plan if they don't convert on third down. They can't do squat if they can't convert on third down. That's the key to everything that's happening within the team right now is third down. And that's the job of the quarterback, Derek Carr. We spent a lot of time this week on Derek Carr, haven't we? A lot of time this week showing support to Derek Carr, but being fair and being critical of his poor play as of late and what's on the line going forward. As I sprinkle in lightly, like you would put you know, some sauce or some pepper on your food for Thanksgiving as I sprinkle in a little Marcus Mariota, okay? Because we're getting to the point now where we have to talk about the elephant in the room. How long is Derek going to remain the quarterback if he doesn't have another good game? And I hope that's not the, the sense of the show next week. I hope Derek throws for 354 touchdowns and the Raiders win. All right, let's get going. Passionate Raider, go ahead, start it off. What up, JT? What's happening? Happy hey, th- so... Man, what's happening, man? A good day, good day, you know. Big Thanksgiving. We're going to go eat today here in a little bit at the parents' house. So I, I should be able to have a good meal today and not to have mm-hmm. to worry about it being spoiled tomorrow. Hopefully it won't be spoiled tomorrow. Hopefully we'll come out and play some passion tomorrow. But I've been thinking about a couple of things today, JT, about the, the Gruden. And it's crazy you start talking about Gruden today. And that's what I was going to come in talking about. Whose fault is it, JD? Is John Gruden or Derek Carr? You think about, let me lay out what I, what I put in my head. John Gruden, Derek Carr. John comes in, second stint, brings comes with Derek Carr. Right off the bat. Passionate Raider, let me stop you. I don't have a 10-minute. I don't have 10 minutes for the history of Gruden coming back. Get, please get to the point on why you okay. think it's Gruden or Carr. All please. I ask you is, whose fault is it, J.D.? In your okay, opinion? thank you for the call. If that's what you have. Whose fault is it today? Whose fault is what? Five and five? Three-game losing streak. John Gruden's not in the building. John Gruden's out of the picture. Henry Ruggs is in jail. Leave them out of the conversation. Derek Carr's left. Greg Olson is there. Gus Bradley's there. Rich Passaccia. Those are your choices. 
Those are the guys that we have to talk about in regards to who is there. And then you can talk about fault. Fault heading into Thanksgiving. Black Hole, Cisco Kid. What's happening, Cisco? How are you, brother? Hey, JT, man. I'm just calling in to, to just, uh, hey, man, off your birthday, you shouldn't be wound up like this, brother. <laughs> I was. You know, John John from the Black Hole gave me a great cigar at the tailgate. I saved it to last night. I had a fire in my backyard. I had a cigar, some Woodson whiskey. Uh, my wife brought me a piece of cheesecake. I sat outside under the stars, and I went to bed very nicely. Got a workout in today. I'm ready to go today, but, you know, this radio gets me fired up, Cisco. I got you. I got you, JT. You do a hell of a job. Hey, just wanted two points. Happy belated birthday once again. To Thank you, though, you. By the way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about it, man. We watched the last game. Something's got to change with the team. I don't know. I don't have a headset on, but I wish I did on some of these play calls that I'm seeing and just frustrated pulling my hair out. But we definitely need to get number 83 back in the mix. Olsen, Morton, whoever's calling the plays, let's, let's get these – Let's get that boy back in action. Let's get him in the end zone. Let's get him catching balls. We have too much on the offense for any defensive coordinator to feel like it's going to be a cakewalk playing the Raiders. We just got to utilize these guys. We got a Ferrari in second gear right now. Let's get all four, five gears rolling. Let's get this team back on track. And, uh, man, just everybody have a, a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and back to you too, JT. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it a lot. You know, just interesting story here before we get to Darren McFadden coming up next. So the game's pretty wild, and the Black Hole invites me to go to the Winfield Club. They had a booth, and I cordially accepted. It was a very nice invite. So my wife and I left our seats during the game, went to the Winfield Club, which is basically a nightclub, and the Black Hole was sitting, and they sent out pictures of it. And I'm sure the old, old, old school members of the Oakland Black Hole would not have appreciated it. We were sitting in a nightclub in a stadium drinking Modelo's and, you know, drinking drinks as the game was going on. And we were watching the game, obviously, and and really into the game. But it's Vegas. I don't apologize for Vegas. If you can't make it, I'm sorry. Watch it on TV. If you go and you're not having a great time, I apologize. If they were winning, you'd be having a better time. But it's Vegas. A lot of people are trying to come to grips with the music, the entertainment, the pregame, the light shows, the pregame at the torch, whatever we're doing. It's brand new. It's brand new. They're trying behind the scenes to make it so big it blows you away. But I know Raider fans want to get back to winning games. I'm very aware of that. Look at how many hours of Raiders radio I have to do every week. Spending my entire Thanksgiving at the M, which I'm happy about. Desperate for a win. Desperate for a win because the rest of the shows this year depend on winning. Not me trying to put out a forest fire. I don't want to have to put out a forest fire with a garden hose here. I want this team to win. Darren McFadden's going to join us next. That whole monologue was brought to you by PTs. Great night tonight. One of their biggest nights of the year. Locally in your community, there's a PTs, a PTs Gold a PT's Brew House, wherever you are, the SG Bar. You can have a great time at PT's and connect with your friends as they're all coming home for Thanksgiving. PT's fuels the monologue. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, Raider Nation Radio.
I'd like to think so. I know we do as coaches. I know we're going to always look inward first. You know, what did we do wrong? And then after that, you look at, okay, what are our problems? What solutions do we have to fix our problems? And that's how we're going to go about it in the meetings, giving that to our players. So it'll be an interesting week. It's a short week, just like it is for every team that plays on a Thursday night. We'll be in a lot of meetings, a lot of walkthroughs. I think we're 48 hours from getting on a plane and uh, playing on Thursday. So um, hopefully we'll get a get us in position to have a belief system going into the game that we can do some things against our opponent that help us score points and win the game. I think Rich Passaccia has done a very good job keeping the team together, running these practices, which seem to go well. And then on game day, they've been very sluggish early and they're trailing behind. And he's going to get judged by how many games he wins. And he knows this is a big game coming up. JT, as we continue, brought to you by Five Iron Golf. Go there over this long holiday weekend in Vegas. Hit golf balls. Best simulator out there, food, beverages, uh, Five Iron Golf. You can check that out right inside Area 15. He's loved throughout the state of Arkansas. He's loved in Dallas, Oakland, Las Vegas. Played for both the Raiders and the Cowboys. Darren McFadden joins us. Darren, good to talk to you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey there, how's it going, JT? Good to talk to you as well, man. Great to you. Great to talk to you. And again, this is interesting for you. You played for both franchises. Both franchises are struggling a bit. The Raiders more so with wins and losses. But we'll start with Dallas. Amari Cooper's out due to COVID protocol. And they've been up and down this year, but they play in an easy division and have a comfortable lead. Why do you think the Cowboys have been struggling as of late, Darren? You know, it's one of those things, man. It's the NFL, man. Uh, you're just kind of hit and miss with teams sometimes. And, you know, it's one of those one of those things with Dallas. They started off hot, and now they're kind of slipping. But, you know, it's one of those deals. You just have to go out there and play every Sunday and bring your best ball. You know, they, it's interesting now with Pollard and Zeke. If Zeke's a banged up going into this game, one of the things that the Cowboys did was make sure that they had two really good backs out of the backfield to use in games together, but in case one went down or one wasn't at 100%, they'd have a really good back to carry the load. You know, uh, Zeke, his name already speaks for itself, man. He's been doing a great job over his career since he's been in the league. And Pollard, he's a young, nice guy, man, and he comes in there and you can tell he runs the ball and he, he, he wants to make a name for himself, and he's been doing a great job of it. Darren McFadden's our guest. Darren, Josh Jacobs is struggling a bit. They brought in Kenyon Drake to try to spell him a little bit and give him uh, possibly some left carries to keep him fresh. But he struggles to get to even 50 yards a game. The Raiders' offense, they haven't been in attack mode for about a month. And I know you watch some of these games. Do you think they need to get back to more balanced football? Because they're not opening up a lot of holes for Josh in the running game. You know, me as a running back, man, I like to see the ball in my hands, man. So <laughs> that's something I love to see right there. We know um, when you got a, a guy like there, like uh, in a behind the center like Derek Carr, man, he can make it happen with just about anybody who we have out there. And you know, it's just something they've been struggling right now. And, you know, um, I can't pick size right now, but I would love to see them get back on target right <laughs> Yeah, Darren McFadden's our guest. Darren, when you were a guy who could run in between the f- tackles, you had a big burst to get to the second level, but also get out on the outside. What was it like behind the scenes as a pro when you were going into a game plan and you knew that, hey, this was a game that I had to run between the tackles, and this is a game that I think I could get outside that defensive end and really find some yardage? Did it change a lot? Or were those game plans really unique and different? You know, I think uh, a lot of people, for myself anyway, um, a lot of people looked at me as a fast, lucky guy and didn't realize how much I actually like to run between the tackles because I feel like I consider myself a physical guy. 
And, you know, when it comes to a game plan, it just, I guess, depending on the defense you're playing and when you see plays that you like being called and more of the, I say, the top ten in the play category, those are the, those are the games, you know, you just, you just lick your chops for it, man. Darren McFadden joins us. What a career. What a college career also at Arkansas. I want to give uh, get to the early years of your life. If the information is right here, the 10th of 12 children and what it was Correct. like early in your life. T- tell me about such a big family and what were some of your memories around the holiday season, especially Thanksgiving around the table? Oh, um, it was definitely always a house full, man. Um, with my mom, it's like, her house was the center of everyone. So mm-hmm. being number ten of twelve children, and then like my older brother and sister, they already had young, or they already had children and things. And so it was always a, a house full, and you know we have endless amounts of cousins and family members that would come by. And so that was one thing. Um, anytime my mom cooked for Thanksgiving or even Christmas or whatever holiday it was, it was definitely going to be a, a house full, and she was going to cook a load up for everybody. <laughs> It sounds like it. Now, your older brothers and sisters, you were really a star track and field also. What was it like having brothers leaning on you, competing against you? What was that like in the family, having older siblings to look up to as you were developing your young athletic life? I think we always encouraged each other. You know, I had some older brothers that took a different path and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like me as one of the younger ones and they seen the, the things that I could do, they always encouraged me to just stay on the right track and, you know, just try to pull pull my weight for, for, for the family and do what I can. And, you know, it's something I feel like um, I kept a level head and I stayed uh, very uh, very humble about things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would say that's one thing my dad always taught me right there. Um, he always critiqued my games. Like, I remember I rushed for 321 yards against South Carolina as a junior at Arkansas. And after the game, I was I was too excited. And um, I went and talked to him. He's like, well, if you would have did this or you would have did this, you would have had 500 yards you know, that's something that just always kept me humble, man, because my dad, he would critique my play ever since I was in Little League, and, you know, that's something that always kept me pushing and kept me focused. Darren McFadden joins us, college football Hall of Famer, and you were the Arkansas High School Player of the Year, and it was clear when you were playing at such a high level in college and you were definitely going to be a pro. Did that put a lot of pressure on you to help the family and family pressure overall at that time with so many people in your family? How'd you balance that? You know, if you uh, if you talk to anyone who knows me personally, they would they would tell you I'm probably one of the most easygoing and carefree person there is. And um, so that's something I really didn't think about much at the time while I was playing and getting prepared for the NFL. I don't think a lot of that stress and, and things actually hit me until I got to the NFL. And so that's when I feel like a lot of things changed as far as the pressure on me and taking care of the family and everything. But like I say, being so easygoing, I let the pressure just roll right off my shoulder. Uh, finally, I wanted to ask you about being a, a running back. What was it like for you throughout your life when you met either Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Marcus Allen, who I've seen you at events with? What's it like being in that fraternity where they have respect for you and you look up to some of the greatest players of all time that were mentors to you when you were a young boy? This, this It's just amazing to me. Um, like I said, I've met several of those guys. and To be around them and have a conversation with them, just there to pick their brains about things, is just amazing. And, um like I say, for them to have a mutual respect for me, it was, it was unbelievable, man. Because, like I say, just watching guys like that growing up and seeing their highlights and things, it was something that, you know, I never even considered myself to be one of those uh, caliber guys. In the end, as time went on, I developed into that. And it was just one of those deals. That, like, man, it's like a dream come true for a running back. 
All right, finally, what's on what's on the menu? Tell me about the McFadden's on Thanksgiving with the Raiders playing the Cowboys. What's your Thanksgiving look like tomorrow? Oh, man, uh, probably visiting about three or four different households first <laughs> <laughs> before I get the chance to sit down and watch the game. But you know, my family always cooks up with a great Thanksgiving, man. It's going to be turkey dressing. I know anytime I go by my dad's house, he'll have some kind of wild game prepared. And that's, that's probably one of the things I look forward to the most. Awesome, Darren. Good to see you. I'm sure you're going to be scheduled out in Vegas here. You're always out here. Love seeing you when you are, and we'll get together soon. Have a great holiday. Yes, sir. You too. You got it. Darren McFadden. Nice. Thanks again to the Raiders alumni department. What a humble guy he is. You know, if you look at his NFL career, he had a better college career than he did in the NFL. He had high expectations, but he had some really big games for the Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys. Those are the only two teams he played for. People forget McFadden came into the league. Fourth pick overall, just like Charles Woodson. Fourth pick overall. He was a Heisman Trophy runner-up. And he was a two-time Heisman Trophy runner-up. Think of that. He could have won two Heismans. I would have changed his life. He won the Jim Brown Trophy. He won the Doak Walker Award twice. The Walter Camp Award. He was the two-time SEC Offensive Player of the Year. A two-time All-American. I mean, that's a great career. They played for the Raiders and the Cowboys from 08 to 2017, and he's well-respected in both organizations. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Brought to you by the M Resort Spawn Casino. 702-365-9200. Juan, my name, in Woodland, California. How are you, Juan? Hey, JT. How are you? I'm a big fan of you. Thank you. Hey, um, you know, I just want to just uh, um, kind of just, you know, throw some insight. You know, everybody talks about car and all these players, the way they play, and they just try to get rid of players. But until we get some stability from the organization from top and him doing his due diligence and bringing in a guy that's any, currently in the NFL that's developed players and also aligned with the, um, with the general manager, both, um, you know, in a cohesive manner, yeah. equally um, start developing players and bringing in players. You know, no matter what, who you bring in, if we make a trade for anybody out there right now, it's, it's unstable right now. It's going to get better. But, um, it's fair to know, say um, that, but hold on. It's fair to say that, but I thought Gruden and Mayock ha- had some stability. No one knew what was going to happen to Ruggs. Ruggs was developing into a very good player in this league. They were able to find Waller uh, with, with this staff and a lot of coaches here. They were able to you know, get a good draft class, and then one draft class just didn't come through. I mean, I don't agree with the Cleveland Farrell pick, but overall there were a lot of people in that building on board with Mayock and Gruden together like they're on board with Mayock and Basaccia now. I'm not hearing any rumblings from that, but if you want to talk about the instability, there's not much I can argue with you here because they're not winning enough games. Yeah, well, the thing is, um, 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 Versace, he's just a, a placement for right now. If we get a coach that's aligned mm. with, with the GM and they both draft together and, and move forward, you know, and also mm. with Carr, um, you know, any any quarterback we get in there, if it's not unstable for them and all this stuff's going on, it's going to be the same outcome no matter who's out there, if Mariota. Um, I think they should consider probably just letting Carr go at the end of the year, trading him and getting a young guy and letting Mariota just play out next year and just move forward and start building from there, there and allocate money to a lot of spots like a receiver. We, we, need, we have a lot of holes still. Our offensive line is not very good, and it's, and it's still very young. And we need some captains, guys, that more captains that um, – that are developed. A lot of our guys are older guys that were kind of on the end of their prime, like, you know, KJ Wright and stuff like that. You know, I do want to, I want to see them be a little bit more aggressive because we, we were getting knocked around the last couple of years by these hybrid young coaches. And John Gruden was, was getting punched in the mouth by these guys. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, you know, and I think John Gruden just kind of was, 
you know, just a little behind these these young coaches, these aggressive coaches, you know. That's just the way I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, again, as I've said this, I appreciate the call. It's not even the, it's the day before Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about the new coach of the team. That is reckless. It's ridiculous. And other non-flagship stations can do that in the building if they'd like here or anywhere else. None of my business, but you're not going to find that here. I work for Rich Pisaccia when I interview him every week. It's his interview. I host it. Uh, how would you like me to open up the interview going, Coach, how do you feel about potentially getting fired? You think that'll go over well on the Silver and Black show? I mean, it's incredible. I, I mean, look, again, throw, throw, throw arrows at me. Rich Passaccia has the ability to keep his job if this team won games. And when they, they won his first two games, they were really playing well. Now they've lost three in a row, and they need to buck up and play and get it going. Uh, we have the Rich Passaccia press conference from today. We'll give you a little bit of that. And then Clarence Hill's going to join us, the great Cowboy insider. I'm looking forward to that. You don't want to miss that coming up. Happy Thanksgiving if you're on the road. If you're getting out of here on the 15, in either direction, drive safe. Take your time. Handle the traffic. Be responsible. SamAndAshLaw.com. Oh, yeah. Well, we believe that we can make those changes. Um, you know, now we have to go do it. You know, that's... It's the difference between you know just believing it and actually going out and doing it. We got to prove it, right? Um, but yeah, Hondo, I think that when we watch the tape, um, you see things and you see moments where we can uh, uh, absolutely be better and where we have been better in the past, um, and uh, hopefully tie those things in together on a short week against a really good football team and actually play better. Derek Carr, the captain and the quarterback, who's had an up and down week. He's always available at the team press conferences. He's always available there to ask questions, answer questions, and he does. And he puts it on himself, and he's had an up-and-down week here. Let's hope Derek bounces back on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas. Rich Passaccia just spoke to the media. We'll give you a little bit of it from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Yeah, um, as of right now, uh, John Simpson's still questionable. He did move around pretty good out there today. Um, we'll make a game-day decision to some degree on that. Nick Kwiatkowski and Keyshawn Nixon are still out. Okay. So that's kind of where we are. Yeah, um, five and five going into a big game uh, at Dallas on Thanksgiving. Do you, do you believe in, in must-win games? And if so, is this one? Um, I, I don't believe in must-win games. I believe every game is really important because it's the next game we play. You know, So that's kind of how we've approached all the games this year. That's how we've approached this week's game. The difference in this week's game is it's a fast turnaround. You know. Uh, you get done playing on a Sunday, next thing you know, you're coming to work on Monday and you're really going on to the next game. So um, that's the difference, I think, about this one. It's a Thursday afternoon game, but it's a what a great venue, you know, to go to Dallas, play at the primetime slot at 4.30 and, and uh, on Thanksgiving Day. All those things we dream about as, as kids and young people playing in the backyard to be able to play on Thanksgiving and to be able to play in Dallas is, is really pretty cool. Yeah, you were in Dallas. Right. What are those games like? How different? How unique does it feel being in that? Yeah, game? I think the funny part for, for me, and not to speak for Coach Marinelli, but we were talking about it a little bit, is when you're in Dallas, you know you're playing on Thanksgiving Day. It's part of the deal. You know, every year you play at home and you play on Thanksgiving. Well, here, now we're on the other side of it. So now it's kind of an exciting thing for us. We get to go play in Dallas. It's, again, I remember growing up, and I, I remember the, 
the Thanksgiving Day games in Dallas playing and Clint Longley and Golden Richards and guys like that and those particular games. You know, you don't even remember those names. I can see by your face. And, uh, you know, so now to go to play in this particular game um, in this venue down there, our team, I think, is excited about it. We've had a, uh, you know, we've had a good bounce in our step the last few days of practice, and we're excited about getting on the plane and having a chance to play football again. For sure. Um, shifting gears a little bit and back to football, um, obviously Derek and Greg have had a relationship, but do you think there's any part of them that misses – the rapport that he's had with John, and did you think that has something to do with his play last year? No, I, I can't speak for Derek. You know, certainly they had a they had a wonderful relationship as well. But I think Derek um, always always been the buffer, you know, between uh, John Collin plays and then uh, what's going on now. So I, I do think they've had a long lasting relationship going back to when Derek was a, a rookie. And again, I think the success we had is because of the good relationship um, that the two of us had. And when we've hit some bumps in the road, I think they've really done a good job over the past few years of um, overcoming the bumps in the. Road road and then playing well again. So that's what we're anticipating this week. For sure. Um, just beyond football, you know, especially this time of year, obviously everybody wants to win games, right? But what what have you wanted to impart on your players, you know, on a human level? What do you want your guys to experience and learn from, from having the opportunity to play for you? You know, not, not, not only now, but moving forward the rest of the season. Well, not just play for me. I think we, we talk to our players all the time about, you know, being a winner is not really always about points. It's not really always about a support. You know, what are we doing in our lives to improve a little bit each day? You know, can I? Constant, never-ending improvement, constant, never-ending self-improvement. So not only as a football player, what are we doing to try to get better at our craft? What are we trying to do to be a better husband? What are we trying to do to be a better father, a better son? Those kind of things, you know, can we deal with people with a little more kindness? Can we make our place that we've been in a little bit better in the way we found it? And those are things we talk to our players about all the time, as well as we also know we have a job to do. We also know we're responsible for our performance um, on game day. And, and uh, so I, I just think we'll, we'll just keep trying to get a little bit better each day in everything we do. What does your, uh, your dinner plate look like on Thanksgiving? Say it again. What does your dinner plate look like on Thanksgiving? Well, I, you know, I don't really – we'll be traveling, and, and uh, I'll just look forward to playing a good football game and eat a crustable on the plane on the way home. So. <laughs> that, that's anything else? That's no, all that's about it. Thanks, Rich. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Rich Passaccia, I don't know how you don't like that guy. I mean, what more do you want from him? He's thrown in a tough spot. Tough spot, and he's trying to make the players better men, trying to teach them up, coach them up, and then go, go play the game and win it. I mean, he's not hurting this team. It's not, oh, Basaccia blew it. The, he's got to get his coaches where he gives a lot of, he gives them a lot of leeway. It's Greg Olson and Gus Bradley put the game plan together and he'll monitor it and let these guys do their job. That's how he's coaching now. He's not a control freak. He wants everybody to do their job and go win and play great. Players got to step up now. Antonio and Modesto. What's happening, Antonio? Go ahead. Hey, JT, man, I remember Clinton Longley and Golden Richards. I remember those games when I was a kid, man. Great, great memories of, of, ta- of mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Hey, you're right, man. You, got, I, you want Rich to do good, man. Who doesn't want this guy to, to get these guys motivated? Because it comes to on the field. I need Josh Jacobs to get loose. I need, I need uh, Leatherwood to bust some holes. So tomorrow I'm expecting this is – I know he just says it's not a must-win game. To me, it is a must-win game. I know there's the six games after you lose this. But you got to go literally six and one to, to get to 11 wins. Um, I'm expecting Derek to play his best game of the year tomorrow, and I got a little hope in this. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. You know, me being a lifelong Red fan. And 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 JT, the last thing, and I know we're going to look. We're not going to look to the end of the season. We're going to game by game. But I, my biggest concern, I've asked it a couple times. God forbid, or let's say that things don't work out. You lose Mayock. You already lost Chucky. Um, 
who is Mark Davis's right-hand man? Who's going to be the guy that's going to – and we can't, if, if there is, we get to that point, which I know you don't want to talk about mm-hmm. Coach Bees. Yeah, I, I, I told you I didn't want to – I just told you I want to talk about it. Mark's got people in the organization who we trust. Marcel Reese is one of them. Uh, Larry Delson is another one, a good friend. There are other executives there in the building, and he has contacts around the league. You know, Mark's been in the league longer than you think. He's the son of Al Davis, and he'll figure it out. I mean, look, I, I believe that everybody in the building now is fighting to win a game, and they're not sitting there at 5-5 five and five saying, call the moving truck, I'm getting fired at the end of the year. Not yet. They're trying to get through the Cowboy game to get to 6-5. and five, And if they beat the Cowboys, I'd almost guarantee. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't walk from Vegas to L.A., but I'd be close to guaranteeing you win against the Washington football team. How cool would that be? But it only matters if they win this game. They have to win this game. This game is so big, and it's a shame that they got to 5-5 five and five for this game at 5-2. and two. It's a shame they don't have six or seven wins like the Cowboys coming into this game. But they blew it. And now they got to find a way to play desperate football and play a great game. And as Ed Graney said earlier in this week, sometimes playing desperate is good. That stayed with me all week, what Ed Graney said. And he's writing about. Sometimes it's good to play desperate football, and the Raiders are doing it. Brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco.